Hello, everyone. My name is Ben Gilberti, and I'll be your tech host today. Your real host will be Calvin Harris, who will introduce his guest today. I met Calvin um, at the Prosperos way back in 1971, though he has been a member of the Prosperos since 1967. The Prosperos is a school about the science of being. And uh, Calvin is a great expression of the energy and spontaneity of being. Calvin teaches the main classes of the Prosperos translation and RHS, as well as seminars, workshops in Arizona, California, Michigan, Oregon, and Washington State. Translation is a process for discovering the truth about anything. RHS is a process that does that also, but dealing with emotions. In addition, Calvin is now teaching a preparatory mentorship program for those interested in becoming professional prosperous mentors. So now I bring to you Calvin Harris. Hi, Calvin, welcome. Aloha, everyone. It's good to see you today. Hi, Sai. Um, um, greetings and salutations. Sai was um, at a uh, dinner party last night that was uh, thrown by uh, Tom and Cheryl Charlesworth, and Larry and Debbie was there, and then one or two other friends that were there. So that was very, very nice. It's good to see them again. So uh, let, let me uh, just say that I'm excited to bring back t- as my guest today, Natasha Alpert, who uh, to me represents a one of the new Renaissance young women, uh, as well as a futurist. Uh, in my world, at least, <laughs> last October, uh, October, when I had Natasha on as our guest, uh, she talked with us about 3D uh, printers, about uh, technology that was going on, and uh, her job with the Nike company about uh, wearable engineering uh, art forms and that. we're going to then move into some of the exciting things that she has been doing within that short period of time from then until now that just shows you how quickly uh, time can move <laughs> when uh, things w- usually uh, will take years. It's now a, a matter of months. So we'll be talking about the emerging technologies Uh, of now and in our future world to come. Um, uh, Natasha is really uh, 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 someone that I would consider uh, an international uh, individual, both culturally and um, uh, through birth, uh, spanning both the Middle East, uh, Europe, Asia, <laughs> and of course here in the U.S. the Bay, um, which I think gives a unique insight into the understanding of, of uh, technology, culture, and maybe space, and some of the new ideas and opportunities that are available 
and her dedication to young people too. So w- without any more uh, conversation on, on that matter, let me go ahead and bring uh, Natasha forward. Hello, Natasha. <laughs> Hello everyone. Uh, thank you for having me and inviting me, Calvin and Ben, and great to see you all again. I don't know if you remember, but we talked you know, back in October and um, I'm happy to present again today. You all know a little about my background and how I specialize in emerging technologies, the 3D ecosystem, augmented reality, virtual reality, metaverse, and digital twin technologies. And I have put together a presentation with a glossary as well. Um, Really the point and intent of today's discussion is not only to highlight these technologies, but what it means to humanity, um, that's something that is important to me in my daily work um, on, and how I contribute back to the impact of what's happening in the world with these technologies. That's always my intent to um, basically give back to social impact and sustainability and how we can use these technologies for, um, to improve our life here on earth and our and our science of being as it linking it back to the prosperous. So I'm going to share my screen, go through everything, and then we're gonna open it up for, for questions. And then Ben and Calvin, please keep me on track for time. Um, <laughs> Uh, so let me know when it's time for questions because I won't be looking at the clock that much. So yeah, don't yeah. interrupt anyone. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to- oh, um, before we start, let's just go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about what you've been doing <clears throat> um, since the last time that uh, we talked where you were dealing with uh, pretty much 3D um, uh, printing and that sort of thing, and where that's taken you to today. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, so I have been implementing 3D design, 3D printing, 3D scanning for fit, but since we last talked, I've been quite involved in building metaverse experiences, NFTs, as well as I now work for an environmental engineering firm where we create digital twins and augmented reality and virtual reality experiences for cities, transport, energy, um, and different sectors. And so as this technology becomes more ubiquitous since October, I've been focusing on also teaching. And so uh, I have taught extensively at Washington University School of Engineering for the past five years, but I've also started teaching high school students in the past year as well. So once a week, I teach nine through 12 um, here in Orange County and also remotely, some of them are actually based over in Asia. What these emerging technologies are, we have um, working sessions and then help bring their ideas to life. Um, that they may not get in uh, schools. Additionally, I've also set up uh, a makerspace lab in Pasadena through a school with MIT called Nuvu, where we set up 3D printers and teach high school students to design in 3D. And it's important that I do this um, because I feel that having this corporate experience and sharing that 
with younger generations um, is important because in the current curriculum in high schools, it's not fully taught yet, but I'm hoping that it will change um, to really inspire, uh, especially young girls in STEM and younger, younger students that may not have uh, thought that they could be part of this technology if they're not as strong in, in math. I'm a perfect example of that uh, first generation to, to finish uh, university and my MBA. I was not encouraged to be involved in engineering, but here I am today, you know, doing that. And so you don't have to have the um, predicted skills uh, to do innovation. It's really your mindset and uh, teaching that. Also to show the curiosity, uh, uh, to enhance in cu uh, curiosity of the young people that you work with, but also to show maybe a little bit of the disadvantage that goes on with that. Um, the individuals that were going to your, your classes, um, uh, they were, I believe, high school, and as you said, some of them grade schools, but to be able to attend this, there, there was an, a certain amount of money that was needed to get into the unit, to these classes, and what was that amount? That it really depends on the specific programs that uh, I do. Um, one of them was for a nonprofit, uh, which is for AGBU, which is the largest Armenian nonprofit in the world. I'm half Armenian. So um, it was free to those students. Mm -hmm. to, because typically with, um, at least in the Armenian community, there's Sunday school, right? Where you learn about Armenian culture and the current high school population wants something fresh and new. So our goal was to teach innovation through these technologies about Armenian culture but through either 3D printing an Armenian monument or talking about the culture, expressing it through the tech. And there was no charge for that specific project I worked on. Mm -hmm. And for some of the other projects, it was a private um, tutoring lesson, um, but yeah, it varies. Mm -hmm. So it, there are, uh pockets of individuals, uh, schools, and, and dedicated individuals moving ahead uh, the evolution of consciousness and, and for the betterment of, of humanity and, and grasping uh, young minds. Um, in one of the classes for one of the the prestigious universities there, I believe there was a high school program that you did, and it uh, they came up with uh, inventions, didn't they? Yes, they came up with their product concepts. And really talking, going back to what you're saying, Calvin, we're at a moment in time in 2022 where this, these virtual worlds, and I'll go into it in my presentation, um, is creating a separate space of consciousness, right? But how we curate these uh, experiences, whether you, now you access it through a, you know, a 2D screen. Later it will be with glasses or contact lenses where people will enter another immersive experience. Um, 
that's beyond internet of things. And how are we as stewards raising consciousness and awareness in these experiences? And currently it's just for, for brands to sell things, which I'm gonna give examples for. What's important to me and where I'm working with students and companies is to understand that we have a responsibility to not sell things, but to awaken that consciousness and awareness um, and bring us back to why we are consuming content, right? And so the content we currently consume are on our current, you know, Netflix, Hulu, TV, but the purpose of today is also to talk about how these technologies are creating content and what that content is going to be for a conscious awareness. And even though it doesn't seem that way, when you see ads, you're seeing ads on TV, if you have anyone here has seen them about Meta, which was previously Facebook, like, oh, you're gonna be able to go to the Roman Empire and ex, you know, be in that virtual reality experience, or you're gonna be able to do this X, Y, and Z, or you're gonna have digital clothing. Um, but why are we doing it? And what is that conscious awareness within that experience? And so there's a lot of leaders like me that are trying to ensure that those experiences are grounded in that. Grounded. In, so what we're looking at is accountability and responsibility. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's kind of the Wild West right now, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, if you've seen anything about NFTs, and cryptocurrencies, it's so overwhelming. And it's a male dominated world, to be honest with you. It's very masculine. It's all this new information and language, you know, it's not, it's not understandable and it doesn't resonate with like, it's just revenue driven. And so that accountability of what are we trying to do with having an NFT or a metaverse has not been defined yet. And it will slowly formulate as in when the internet of things started in the late 90s. I was a student then typing on a typewriter, going to the computer lab, but no one took the internet very seriously until it started to scale. But the internet now can be anything. It can be good, it can be bad. And the same is going to be with these technologies. It's the content in it and the consciousness behind that. And the consciousness that we bring to it and the awareness and the awakeness, because for years and years and years, uh, there was that the, the understanding spiritually that we live on, on more than one plane, that our existence is one of the ways in which uh, 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 they would say theologically, uh, that we are one with God and that we are one of the ways in which consciousness or beingness knows itself. But again, it is bringing that kind of awareness yes. uh, to a sense of accountability and responsibility, which means that we as individuals need to become aware and become accountable and responsible for 
And this is why I love that you're working with children in those areas. But before we go too much farther, because already you're starting to use the language that, <laughs> that may lose some of us. So let's go to the glossary first. Yes. And kicking off today, I wanted to start with this quote by Joseph Campbell. You might all be aware of him. He's a very well-known anthropologist. He was a teacher at my, my university, Sarah Lawrence. Um, and he wrote um, that book, uh, Hero of a Thousand Faces and uh, The Hero's Journey. But his, he has a couple of documentaries um, where he talks about how machines are creating new myths. So that kind of grounds us in where we're going. And so here's a glossary. I'm going to share this uh, presentation with Calvin and he can distribute it. Um, and we don't have to learn everything today or understand everything today. And I also have visual, visual examples as well to back this up. But first of all, what is a metaverse? It is a public space for people across the globe to connect, collaborate and communicate digitally similar to Facebook or Instagram, but there will be other uh, platforms that will be a part of that. Um, virtually so so uh, what I would like to say there, so you're already involved with yes. the metaverse. <laughs> yes. So, so some of these new things, you're already, you're already using it. Okay, oh, there's a, a good example, yeah, okay. So as, as I go through the glossary, I'll maybe kind of switch to a visual on a map and a picture. So what is the metaverse? It is um, a place to socialize like Facebook or Instagram, to meet people, strengthen existing relationships and create new communities. But there will be other companies that are creating that experience. For example, a company called Spatial or um, Discord, there's a lot of different platforms. And that's why Facebook changed their name to Meta. Um, so you'll see that coming up in the next few years. It is persistent, a place of per perpetual and continuous existence where people will gather online or offline. It is reactive where it's a virtual environment and the people inhabiting it will respond and react to users' actions in real time, similar to social media. media. It is interoperable, not tied to any one platform. So when people say, where is the metaverse? Where do I go to it? It's basically a more advanced term for social media in a way, right? So you're not gonna just go to Facebook or Instagram to have to go into a virtual experience. It will not be tied to one platform. It will be a creative catalyst, a creative community where people can engage and share content rather than passively consuming it, which is what we do. We're fed social media feeds, right? On Facebook and Instagram. In the metaverse, you'll be able to upload a piece of art or something um, that is more interactive real time. Uh, there's no cap to the numbers of users in the metaverse. Um, everyday seamlessly woven into our everyday activities, decentralized. So that means that Facebook, for example, or Instagram can't own all these different communities and it will be defined by the users, which is us. Um, so that's really just one start of a definition of the metaverse. 
Should we open it up for questions now or towards the end? And now, because of the time uh, and you're so much that's going, let's go on to the next. Okay, and so there's a lot to cover here, but um, the next one to go over is uh, virtual reality and augmented reality. So I'm going to breathe, breeze forward to a visual of what that looks like so that um, we can see the difference. Hold on one second. Okay, so this is a great visual of the differences between virtual reality, augmented reality, and merged reality. So virtual reality is when you would wear a headset, something Oculus gives those headsets. Now, that technology is actually gonna become outdated very quickly. And we all remember here um, when cell phones first came out, right? They were big and clunky. They looked pretty ridiculous. They were expensive. And then as the tech evolved, it got um, more affordable, more accessible. And now we have smartphones. Augmented reality is when, and you'll see it pop up more and more on your phone. Like let's say when you're shopping on, on Amazon, it'll say, do you want to see that couch or what <laughs> that shoe looks like in your room? And you can actually hold up your phone. And so it's an augment onto reality with a device. So that's the middle picture that we're seeing. Yes. So you can see an overlay of it. I mean, we don't have time to do a demo. Right. But, um, you'll see it happen more and more. Like when you're shopping and the phones are going to change, right? The hardware is going to change similar to like how the cell phones changed and like TVs. We all used to have these big clunky TVs. Now we have a thin flat TV and it's, you can buy it. It's not too expensive. The same with these technologies. Now merged reality, which is where I work in is combining all of this, but there's also going to be the layer where it's a hologram or you wear like regular glasses and you can see something that's streamed through your through the glasses, or, and I don't wanna to get too futuristic, and I don't know how I feel about this tech yet, I'm not fully aligned with it, is contact lenses, where people, people will wear contact lenses to see those overlays in, in real life. I don't really think that, that it's a little, it's, we don't know how that is gonna work on the human brain, and so I'm not, really promoting that, that that is going to be the best thing, but I'm not building that technology. I'm really more of like in those companies that are helping to decipher it. And so here are some visuals of augmented reality and virtual reality. So this one that you're seeing is virtual reality. This is kind of in my world. I'm in environmental engineering um, right now, but I've also worked for consumer brands where you see the engineers wearing a headset and in that headset of virtual reality, he can see what that uh, rotor is going to look like, right? And maybe get some instructions on how to fix it, then actually working on, on the object, which would cost money, time. So we're moving from like 2D printed manuals, Excel sheets, to actually visualizing what things are going to look like. Instead of, um, this is another example of virtual reality where if you're working in a factory, rather than going and sitting in the office, you can walk around 
and wear a headset and see data and understand data. Um, in healthcare, you know, when you go to the doctor now, the doctor pulls out a, a clipboard or a file and marks on a piece of paper, a drawing of the body, X, you know, where there's things or charts in charts, it, for example, in a hospital. And in the future, there will be a digital twin of our body with areas that, you know, if you have to go into the hospital or the doctor. And there's also applications that are happening right now where surgeons can, in virtual reality, so they're wearing glasses or a headset, can do a practice operation. They can practice um, without actually practicing on humans. So the things that I'm highlighting today are things that I think are really good examples of how this technology can be for good, right? Uh, in automotive, for a lot of big car companies are using virtual reality to see how they can fix something. Or in the future, consumer facing, you'll be able to go to a showroom when you're buying a car and see what a color would look like if you wanna have a custom made color or you know, change the colors of the seats you would be able to actually see it in real life, in 3D with sound, et cetera. And then in aerospace, they have been you know, using virtual reality for years in simulators, right? You know, if anyone is trained to become a pilot, you're not actually getting in a, in a plane as a, as a beginner, you're getting in a flight simulator to practice and you have to practice in that simulator. So it's no different than a technology that's actually been around for a long time. But what you're doing is you're seeing simulations um, in a virtual reality headset. But as the tech improves, it will move to glasses and then eventually probably to contact lenses. So, you know, just to show you a little bit on like the numbers side, the predictions are that these virtual reality and augmented reality applications are going to make a lot of money, um, but today's not about money, but these are the sectors where you're going to see more of it in our everyday life. And the first one is pretty predictable. It's in video games. Um, not all of us play video games. I don't even play video games, although I work with gamers, <laughs> but um, I understand how to build a video game because that's part of my job. Um, live events, so if you can't get to a, a, a show, a music festival, a baseball game, football game, you'll be able to watch it on a virtual reality headset that would be even more immersive than watching it on TV. And then video entertainment, so travel portation, and I can go into that, like vacations, right? This is especially important for people that have disabilities, that have PTSD, that can't travel, um, that don't have the means to travel to be able to experience all of this. And then other areas where you'll see it are in healthcare, which I, which I think is super exciting, right? Um, for surgeons to be able to practice, for us to have digital twins of, of our bodies, which would be more accurate, right? Because right now you have to go to the cardiologist, you have to go to dermatologists, it's all, all in different doctors. And I mean, at least, you know, very fragmented. Imagine having it in one place. Um, in engineering, which is the field that I'm in, environmental engineering, but in, in auto, auto, 
um, automotive, aerospace, real estate, you'll be able to see something in virtual reality before you buy a house. You'll be able to see, for example, a before and after. If you have a, if you want to, you know, basically renovate a house, retail, um, the military, and then also education. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, for the next, because we we are, <laughs> time is moving faster than we are on the list. <laughs> yes. So I think, I hope that has given you an overview of um, what virtual reality and augmented reality is, mm -hmm. um, which is super important. Now, I actually did cover interoperability uh, and persistence, but I will recap it again. So by incorporating these technologies, the ability for virtual experiences, possessions and identities to travel unchanged across platforms. What does that mean in everyday language? It means to be able to go to visit a safari in Africa in a virtual reality experience or to have a flight simulation, you know, in a virtual reality experience. And then pers persistence is a continuity of existence, the continu continuation of virtual life, regardless of whether people are online and offline. So as it relates to the prosperous and consciousness, you know, it is the wild west right now. We don't know how these technologies are gonna fully affect us, right? So if we're starting to see overlays in real life, um, when we're wearing glasses or holograms, uh, this con continuity of existence, virtual life and real life is going to be um, a persistent thing in our daily life. And One, uh, Natasha, I'd like to say something here is that it will also mean different realities for different people. And one of the things that we are seeing, uh, 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 one of the discussions that I had last night with Sai was the fact that there are already indications that individuals can be on, uh, on some type of system and not be who they say they are. There is a program that's on right now that's called The Circle. And in that program, uh, on one episode that I saw of that program, a young voluptuous woman and a, a young man decided that instead of going into this, uh, the so-called uh, reality game as themselves, each of them had decided to play one of their parents. The young voluptuous woman went in playing her father and the man went in playing his mother. So uh, again, there is a situation of when we're looking at this kind of thing and culturally, there can be changes and shifts that go on. Uh, did you wanna maybe speak to that a little bit? Yes, and so this, idea of identity is very important that you're bringing up and you know I don't know if we're gonna have time to cover everything today no we won't we all have to have you back <laughs> but, you know we could talk about digital avatars and digital twins in our next conversation which yeah. is important yeah so 
let, if we take it back even further, and it's a very important conversation that you were having, you know, since Internet of Things, IoT, right, in, um, in uh, society, this uh, anonymous way of sometimes bad, you know, um, online bullying and, and being incognito, uh, voyeurism, you know, is, has become part of our culture, um, which can be bad and it can also be good. But another big thing that we're seeing is that people are creating digital avatars in gaming, but then you see the beginning of it with Bitmojis, right? On your phone, um, the seeds are being planted to do that. However, it can misrepresent who the person is. And so it is going to be a topic of conversation because I think that sometimes we blindly jump into these technologies without understanding that maybe we're being guided to do certain things and like, why are we doing it? And number two, how, what, how does this connect the human experience to this representation that we are giving on the screen? Um, and is it misleading and is it disconnecting us and isolating us from our true human connection and our human nature? So I think that kind of links into what you were saying, right? Yes, now. yes. It is about understanding our identity and the closer that we can get to that we are consciousness that yes. that's going to eliminate some of the situation. But again, also being personally accountable and responsible for what it is that you're taking in and being able to do strategic thinking. Yes, exactly. So, you know, some of the things on here and I'll, and I do want to show some visuals before we leave today. Please. Yeah. So, um, Things like extended reality, limited spaces, we kind of covered digital twins. Um, Web3, just NFTs, I'm really not going to dive into today because they're very gimmicky and they're just virtual art that people are paying for, really. But I can definitely go over that next time. Um, but Web3 and virtual teleportation, these sounds like they sound like very fancy words. But they're actually not. It's really the same thing of what I was talking about before is um, Web3 is like the next version of IoT, the Internet of Things, the information superhighway. And virtual teleportation is going to a different place. It can be in a medical field. It can be a vacation. It could be with an avatar, like Calvin was saying. But through a virtual way, we will be going to different places. So I'm kind of gonna breeze over some of these slides because I wanna show you some different content. And I did show this content last time, but this is what I'm talking about. And if you have time, um, maybe take a screenshot or you know, when I send the deck, I will, um, you'll remember this slide. But I encourage everyone to go to this on YouTube. And it's very interesting to see how Katie Couric and the other presenters on the Today Show were questioning the internet. They're like, what is this thing called the internet? What is that at sign? You know, I don't have time to look at <laughs> I think this is gonna, and, it, and that's where we are today with the metaverse and web three and AR and VR. People are like, I don't think it's gonna be important. I don't, 
no, you know, I don't understand it. Oh, no, it's happening. And so, and it doesn't have to be segregated by different generations or different consumers. You don't have to be in the tech world to be part of it, to be a creator, to understand it, to use it and to love it. But we do have to build a narrative because I can tell you right now, it's mostly being built by white males, no offense to anyone. And there needs to be diversion and inclusion and consciousness built into these experiences. Otherwise, it's just gonna be tons of brands selling us stuff, right? And so these are the trends for the future. But I do wanna get to um, you know, what some of these new jobs are gonna be for the future um, that connect to this. So it's people creating new screens, right? There's a bunch of people that are creating new phones, new devices, new headsets, new glasses. Um, and I'm not gonna go into every one of these cause it's a lot. New cities, smart cities, new materials, nanotechnology, 3D printing, augmented reality. All these new jobs are happening. I'm part of that workforce. But you on this call are part of the, the people that are going to be experiencing these experiences. And so I've been involved in projects where I've created shoes and clothing in a fashion show, in a metaverse, in like an online portal that will never actually be produced. I've mixed feelings about that, but you're gonna see that. Buy your digital clothing to dress your avatar, right? You're gonna get charged for that. That's where there is probably not that much consciousness, right? And so that's why discussing this today, it's important for us to be aware of what's happening, right? This metaverse experience could be fantastic if you're suggesting to someone who has um, PTSD or just wants to travel and use the metaverse for a really great um, experience. But many people might be deterred if they're like asked to dress their digital avatar and then you go down that rabbit hole where there's no meaning or consciousness in some of these value propositions, right? And so going back to what was on that list, an example of travel portation is technology enabling an immersive sensory experience to travel someplace, right? Um, not to replace travel, but not everyone has the means to travel, right? Or the physical capabilities. And this can also help expand empathy, culture, and knowledge, which we other words, otherwise would not have, right? And so, um, you know, this idea of being able to see, for example, the, the Northern Lights in a virtual experience can never get there is actually a great, is a great example of a use case of this technology. But at retail, another way to have an immersive experience would be to save money on samples and costs by actually seeing virtual samples, right? When you go into a store rather than producing all the samples for this. And I've been part of traditional product development and to get to one shoe that you like, there's like eight or 10 different samples that went wrong, but there's huge waste in our world. So it's using this technology to really apply sustainability. 
So we've only got 15 minutes left. So I'm gonna breeze through some of these slides and make sure I'm showing you the most important ones. And then I think we can jump to questions if it's okay with you, Calvin, because there's a ton of info in here when you get this presentation that will give you definitions of the technologies, the different, even 3D printing, what the printers are, what the new, we're gonna have new file formats. Now we have JPEGs, PDFs, .word doc documents. We're gonna have three, I work with 3D engineers and 3D designers. We're gonna have different file formats, right? When you save a file, it'll be an STL file or an OBJ file. You don't have to learn it now. You're not, it's not like anything that people have to learn but it's just gonna be a new, a new language, right? And before PDFs and JPEGs, we were just in analog. It was just a piece of paper or a book. So that's really just the shift. Um, so I already went over 3D printing last time and I consolidated everything just so that you have everything in one, one space. And then just to wrap up, um, Linking this to consciousness in the world is really the next fifth industrial revolution will be bringing earth, nature into this and how this affects our world. So looking at biomimicry and other, other things like that. Um, I, we don't have time to go over everything today, but just, just some things to remember. Um, when we think about these technologies, how, how are they going to fit in our day-to-day -day life, our modern world? How are they going to awaken us? How are they going to inspire us? Um, how are they gonna have meaning rather than just being sold something? I think is just something to consider. And everyone here on this call also has an important role of shaping what we like and what we do like. Because right now, how we vote on how we basically agree to technologies is with our dollar, right? By buying things, by subscribing to things, by speaking up. And so we're at a very important moment in time where these technologies could be used for good or not so good. So I think that's really um, it for my presentation. Uh, and I want to open it up to questions because we did cover a lot today. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, I had a, a concept. Uh, you're in, in engineering. Have you had the concept of using laser and 3D printing in one unit for water lines? You know, they have a real problem with lead in, uh, uh, lead in water lines and where? Where is it? Anyway. You could use the laser and the, and the 3D printing all in one unit to make water lines. Have they got anything going on that aspect? Yes, there's a lot of development using um, 3D printing for water pipes and laser scanning to uh, scan sites, et cetera. So that is- um, But could they, could they use the laser for, for making the dick? I mean, and just put it all in one, one unit. Yes, and that would be like a digital twin of that area. So basically scanning it. There's a couple of companies, the company I work for specializes in that. We're an environmental engineering company. Um, and there's ways to scan 
plants, uh, like water plants, electricity plants, construction sites, you scan them, you identify, and you can make a digital twin to understand where the issues are. And then on the construction side, now 3D printing is being used, but it hasn't scaled yet. I mean, the tech, the cost of the technology has to improve, but it, but it is, and the materials have to get better, but it's getting there. Thank you. Hi. Yes, I was trying to find myself in this virtual reality and I was <laughs> off the screen. <clears throat> and, and my concern is this, um, uh, dealing with consciousness or totality, we all do that to a degree. And yet by virtue of, and, and all of this new reality, you know, projects the appearance of being complete and inclusive but uh, it's not. And it keeps getting better, but it's not. And um, there is such tremendous um, problems with individuals and groups and society uh, with people being disconnected and people being left out. And um, maybe to put it in context, the only reason that all of the humans who are on the earth are on the earth is because of the gene pool that somehow survived over the years, most of which in our soma and our consciousness, we're not aware of. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I've, I've done mental health and, you know, and, and counseling and dealing with people in trauma over and again. That's the biggest nut helping people to be you know, more present and finding safe ways to do that so that they can live with themselves and not run around and do things that they, they or we shouldn't do. There's, anyway, um, it, as wonderful as it is, it, it's a projection. It, it's all at some level a wonderful projection, but it's a projection of... Um, uh, it's a projection of, it, it's mechanical intelligence. It's a projection of ones and zeros and our, uh, our, our wonderfulness and all our limitations. A anyway, um, that's a concern. It doesn't help us be more godly in our humanity. Thank you. Yeah, and I think that that's what, why this was presented, because one of the things that we keep saying over and over and over again is the fact that individuals need to be able to wake up, to be present to what is going on. Once they are awake, to find ways, um, we say that all, all this in so many different ways, that the need to serve is important. And so how to be of service, not only to yourself, but to someone else. And one of those ways is to be, uh, be aware of what's happening, be accountable to your choices. Because one of the things that uh, Natasha had mentioned was that one of your choices is how you buy or what you do creates where that focus and energy is going to go. So we need to have um, some awareness of that 
and so therefore we're getting back to those words of accountability and uh, responsibility, mm-hmm. as well as getting back to um, to uh, critical thinking, because yeah. those are going to be major things in in how that is going to take place. Uh, and Natasha, I, yeah, 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 that's I think that's a really important point. And, you know, I'm in the space, right? And so for me on a personal level, because I'm a spiritual person, helping be part of that narrative, narrative mm-hmm. be in the mm-hmm. ring, these technologies are gonna happen, no matter. Oh yeah, right. I mean, we yeah. got, there's like multi-millionaires, you know that. Yeah. But, yeah. And this, you know, I've heard some of my favorite mentors, leaders, icons mm-hmm. that are very awake and aware mm-hmm. um, talk, about how this spirituality and technology is gonna converge. However, um, (laughs) it will, but we have to steward it because if we don't, it's going to take a very different turn. And so I've been, I've come to crossroads in my career where I'm like, you know, I really, I like my paycheck, but I don't wanna be part of this. And so I've have positioned myself to really still be part of the narrative, be a woman, be part of this, bring my spirituality to work, not as maybe as overtly, but help guide those decisions. But, you know, even our, with e-commerce, like recently I've, under, I've been aware of my habits and I've deleted Amazon. I'm not shopping online anymore. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not doing it because it's making me spend more. Um, there's, we are so disconnected from going into a store and talking to someone, feeling an object. And even my daughter who's 23, you know, they're all vintage shopping. They don't, they don't do any of this stuff. And so it is in our, like Calvin was saying, we actually decide as consumers and we have been programmed, especially with COVID to move into a digital realm, Zoom, online shopping, fear, all of those things, isolation, TV, you know, um, I was just in Italy for a month, Calvin knows visiting my daughter, I didn't watch TV for a month, I didn't buy anything online, I went to museums, I read books, I socialized in person, I cooked more, and so we're going to decide that yes it is it's very difficult because we are being pushed into this yeah it's addictive this very unspiritual world and it's not it's actually going we're at you know just what happened without getting into what happened this week it's it's dangerous and so the tech is going to shape it so it was a great point and i'm just as concerned as you appreciate it Uh, natasha this is a remarkable presentation. I greatly appreciate it for one. And, and also, I do understand that life and everything operates as first creation and then governance, which people don't like the word, but guidance. Yes. So thanks for the information. And thanks for everyone here who's doing our best, their best to guide things that need to be guided from the principles. Thank you. I, my, you know, this is probably another discussion. But, you know, I look at, because I'm 84 and I have some, some disabilities in the sense that I can't spend a half a day walking around the mall looking for something. Um, so what about people that are 
truly disabled and really can't go out and physically acquire what they need and want, uh, even though they might very much well like to. Um, and also the availability of some of those, those things that you may need and want uh, in a real world, you know, material, I can touch it, feel it kind of thing, um, are, are not around anymore. Yep. They're, they're not available. You're so right. And it's a really great point. Um, I've been in, in product development for a long time, like making work, building product collections for different brands, whether it was Reebok, Asics, Nike, whatever. And they're, they're great brands. However, there's no visibility to who made the products and they're mostly made in factories and people sleeping yep. in dormitories and the margins that these brands make are not okay for the daily wage. And so in, I grew up in a lot of different cities like Istanbul and Italy where we had the, the, the greengrocer, the butcher, the cheese shop, the, and, and then if you needed something, you had a neighbor or um, you know, a community and that is gone. I just moved into a new place this week. I had to, my furniture arrives on Wednesday. I had to find an air mattress. I couldn't find one because of supply chain. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna get, you know, I'll find a way to find some mattress or whatever. But the point is that um, I, I'm hopeful that things will change, but the way that products are made and the way that we are only given certain choices to make them is, is not fair. So we are yeah. pushed. like during COVID when I had COVID, I just could only have deliveries because, you know, it wasn't like I could call the greengrocer and be like, Hey, and yeah. give directly to these independents in Italy, for example, though, there's a like, or in other cultures where there is more of an established community, it is creeping in a little bit, but the, uh, a positive path forward could be like co-ops in cities um, more human help, which I believe in other countries that are quite evolved, like Scandinavia, co-ops are implemented, our social systems are really set up for that. But you're right. And yes, you can get things, which is great, but there's the ways of getting them, I think, are not okay, right? And so I hope that brands will help change that. More and more young people are are dis distancing themselves from corporate America. And what I think that we'll also see back as a, a counterbalance to this is uh, products that are made uh, within an area locally. and would be of locally and will be available because individuals will need that and want that to determine their uh, their financial uh, their financial uh, stability or where they're going with that. So thank you for that. Um, uh, well, I have a lot of experience. I have about forty years of experience in tech, and so I really appreciate the the information. I'm looking forward to getting your presentation and studying it a little bit more. And it's I don't perfect though. So I mean, yeah, no, it was it was excellent. Mistakes, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 excellent. Um, I, there's just too much to comment on in too little time. But I will share an experience with you. 
that I think you'll find uh, interesting. So I flew the sims at NASA, the realistic simulators, right? Wow. Okay. Yeah, as part of my job. And I was uh, landing at SFO over the water. And uh, just that physical experience of that and the emotions and so forth of being in the sim and actually flying. So then I took uh, flight lessons and I was flying uh, Cessna. But from being in the simulator, it was difficult when I was actually in the Cessna at really 3,500 feet above the earth for me to remember. It's like, oh, well, you know, if I make a mistake, I can just hit reset and start over. And it's like, so that dissonance that comes from being in these immersed environments and then you're in the real environment, I think is something that's going to be an interesting thing for us to tackle just mentally. Mind myself. Yeah, that's a real bird. And it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the difference between that as we go back and forth. And forth. Okay. Yeah, I, I loved uh, the introduction you're giving us to all that's going on. I've heard bits and pieces, but I, I want to know more about all of this. Um, and I'm I'm fascinated by the trend I think I'm seeing more of and other people maybe too, where uh, because things are so removed, so disconnected or, or digital or, you know, deliveries to the door, whatever it is, um, there's a backlash to some degree. I know some people personally that, you know, every bill that it's humanly possible to pay in person, they walk around and pay in person. And I know that isn't going to work for a lot of people, but um, that's one kind of extreme example. But And then this weekend, I heard in Milwaukee about a co-op of, of people uh, with tools, all kinds like lawn related or, you know, saws or all kinds of tools. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars probably of value. And they, for I forget what it is, some minimal amount, $100 a year or $25 a year, anyway, small. You can borrow whatever you want. And that, and so I think financial necessity is going to drive people more towards, you know, co-ops of all kinds and sharing. We've already, you know, the younger people have already been sharing cars and things. But um, I'm hoping anyway <laughs> that that's going to be a positive um, outgrowth of such amazing uh, digitalization of stuff. It's a great, but I loved your, I loved what you had to say. I'm hungry for more. Thank you. And, you know, just to that point, too, one thing that I've heard is that bartering, there's all these barter uh, platforms that a lot of younger generations are doing because, you know, financially everything's so expensive and inflation. So now uh, younger generations are bartering their time kind of like back in like, I don't know, 1300s, 1400s. So um, I think co-ops are fantastic. You know, and I'm hoping that these those positive things will come out of what we're experiencing in humanity, um, because that's really the way. Like, do we all really need to buy so much stuff to do things? Yeah. No, we don't. We don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Natasha, for this illuminating talk and looking at how technology is going to be affecting our consciousness if we're going to be in relative states and seeing everything around us. 
and how we're going to set up filters to that so that we're not taking in things that we're not wanting inside of us. Oh yeah, that's a good, that's a great, I love that sentence. Thank you. Well, thank you for this talk. It, phenomenal. And I think, you know, maybe the takeaway is we start to think about even talking to all of you, I'm learning as well, but um, I'm really, I'm really starting to think through every choice I make. I mean, not all the time, every time yes. I go to Trader Joe's and I got to do all the, th all the things, <laughs> but like, you know, do I really need this? Do I really, what is this going to do? Is it going to be good for me to be on Instagram this much and look at this? Like, mm -hmm. what is this? And um, I think people are questioning that and we should, because if not, we're just going to be wasting our time on things that have no value and not feeding our soul. Or the things are destructive to us because our system, the bio system is set up that once something is inside of you, it's difficult to modify it or change it. Yes. There is no delete program as there would be in these technologies. Yeah. Wow. You could remove a program. I, I have spent my entire career working with victims of major traumas. And I know that you can begin to modify it, but it's always, the presence is always going to be there within the biosystem. Yeah. It isn't that you can go in and automatic delete or delete a program or remove something and it's gone. Um, the human biome system is much more complex and in virtual reality, people are talking about, well, wouldn't it be cool to see executions? Wouldn't it be cool oh, oh God. to um, see war and not have to be there to get killed? Yeah. Um, oh, and wow. That's yeah. a real problem with people wanting to stretch the limits of their experience to the borders of being or not being. Yes. To see, well, what would it be like? And so well, that's that's one of the, the problems that we're gonna be having with virtual realities is how far and what limits are gonna be put on it. We that, are talking there about the uh, sensory sensations yes. that individuals yes. are going through. And yes. this is one of the, the things is that our uh, culture is more and more about sensation mm -hmm. rather than that balance of, of that consciousness that goes on with that. And I've been in emergency rooms with young gang members coming in. They had been playing force-on-force force war games on their computers for a lifetime, they get shot on an actual street and they come into the emergency room saying, why does it hurt so much? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't hurt in a game program. Yeah, exactly. You get killed multiple times and immediately okay. resurrected. Yeah, uh, the... The stimulation from the digital world uh, reinforces the uh, dopamine circuits, which yes. are short circuits, which are connected to our survival drives and yes. does not does not 
access other things. So uh, people are living in a distorted uh, situation, uh, trauma. Yeah. Uh, humans in all of survival have trauma and trauma is a relationship violation and the yes. digital world does not provide the inclusivity and totality of the consciousness or godness or yes. even love of someone listening to you right. that happens mm -hmm. uh, that, that person is to a person. solution <laughs> it, it, it's the it's the 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 automaticism is there but the listening permissions mm -hmm. are not there so, sorry for jumping in but mm. it, it is of concern and, and thank you for each of you, uh, for and Natasha, outstanding. <laughs> okay, excellent. I want to thank everyone for coming out today and participating in this. I, we will certainly try and have Nat Natasha back into uh, on mm -hmm. with the thing. Uh, we had a little bit of a, of a, a, a worry because she might have had to have been in New York at this time. <laughs> so I'm pleased that she was able to work that out, the jet setter that she is. So we so I, we very much appreciate your time and, and your 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 uh, efforts with us and bringing the information that we have. And I'm looking to for having uh, lunch with you again soon, dear. <laughs> sure. And um, I I'm very grateful for all of your input um, and let, we'll continue the conversation. Uh, the next time we talk, I'll probably have even more detailed uh, conversations around digital avatars, empathy, and um, you know, what you brought up, what everyone brought up, um, what we're consuming, um, not being able to delete this. And you know, one last thing I've noticed on what I'm watching on Netflix, on Hulu, on TV, you know, and this has been a trend, I think probably since the seventies um, in TV and film, it's all murders and fear. And I don't know, I, I started off in film, you know, in a film uh, major, you know, if you look at TV shows and films, especially from all of your eras, it was very different. It might've yeah. been a little, fake, but it was definitely better and brighter. Um, and so what you're talking about, especially what you said, Sue, you know, the content, whether it's in a video game or a film, you know, it has to change. And that's really what I think we can talk about next time. Yeah. Um, because no matter what platform, whether it's a virtual reality or film or video game or anything, what we're consuming right now is not having a good effect on humanity. Mm -hmm. And that's for sure. And um, I think that's an interesting conversation with this group uh, to brainstorm and discuss. And we do choose as consumers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, as much as we can be part of changing things, I think we have to. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, I, I understand, like, sometimes I'm like, I don't even want to see what that Netflix, like, <laughs> what it says there. You know? I, I don't even want to see that, but there's so many people that are not awake. Yes. Just, just blindly consuming things. And uh, that, is a, that is something that I think people like us can help change. Yes. Um, it can take time though, you know. Yes. But, 
So uh, uh, thank you so much, uh, Natasha, uh, for again, your time at this point, it really shows uh, the direction and focus for our school and for students and people that may be coming for our help, mm -hmm. areas that we may need to be aware of, to be able to, to work with them in that. So thank you again. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to say aloha to everyone today. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you so much for all your help.